Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. Are you just pretending to be my dog at this point? Your dog is panting, so I figured if I established uh, a higher level of panting at the beginning, then the dog's panting will not be as noticeable. Well, if you're going to be like my dog, you need to show how tired you are by how long your tongue is. My tongue? I don't know. I got a pretty long tongue. I mean, is this going to be a competition now? Do we need to put, Uh, like, your tongue versus my dog's tongue on Instagram and, like... Have a tongue off? Yeah. It sounds disgusting when I say it like that. (laughs) Can I... Should I, like, do, like, the... Who is it? Gene Simmons? Is that the guy yeah. from Kiss? Where like and clip that little thing underneath <laughs> the tongue just to make it longer. Oh yeah, because I am that. dedicated to winning game. I will do that thing. Okay, all right. Uh, okay. No, I won't. No, no. I won't. Okay. It's, it involves physical pain. I'm not gonna do it. Okay. okay. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and what doesn't cause physical pain? That was the worst transition I've ever done. That <laughs> is the worst. It was pretty rough. All right. I'm still gonna. I'm sticking with it though. I have what, committed to the bit. What doesn't cause physical? pain? Yeah. What doesn't cause physical pain, Kate? Eating spaghetti. Um, True. Petting snails. True. Um, saying the alphabet backwards. That actually causes me physical pain, but... Physical pain? Well, maybe not physical. Yeah. Mental pain, right? Well, yeah, a little All bit. All right. And reading <laughs> picture books. Oh. Unless you get a paper cut. Right. But hopefully that doesn't happen. Or if it hurts your soul. Again, physical pain. Ah. See, now I'm bringing you back. Right. Yes. But that's what we do on this show. Because I wouldn't want to put my sister through physical pain. Thank you. And on this show, I make you read picture books. You do. And these picture books, we are, you have never seen before, usually. Nope. And we determine if they're classics or not. Sure. Usually. Yeah. Somewhat. Ish. Ish. Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> so you had asked me for, you know, Turkey Day's coming up. Yeah. You asked for a Turkey Day book. Yes, I'm. I failed to deliver. No, what we're doing today is a book that my son was read in kindergarten class. And then he requested that I get out from the library because he enjoyed it so much. Wow. This is not to say it is a good book. Right. It is not to say it is a bad book. It is simply to say it's a book. (laughs) And it came out in 1977. And I do know it. And we've never done this author illustrator before. So I'm pulling it out of the bag now. Big orange splotch by Daniel Manis Pinkwater. Daniel Pinkwater. Hey, are you familiar with the big orange splot? No. We are about to become familiar with the big orange splot. What's that? Uh, he's got like rosacea. He's he, a- only on this cover. You won't find that in the book. I'm baffled as to why this particular cover is showing that. But uh, it is possible that he has it. On all covers, I have not done sufficient research to determine if this is the case or not. But I noticed that myself, and I thought, that is peculiar, because it is not part of the story. Okay. So have fun with that. Okay. While Kate does her read, uh, I'm going to give you a little background information. Not so much on this book, but on Daniel Pinkwater himself. I could talk about Daniel Pinkwater all day. The man has been around for decades and decades and decades. He's been a commenter on... All things considered, he's written middle grade, he's written picture books, he's written YA, you name it. 
lizard music ring a bell with some of you? I bet it does. He did that, but I want to bring up the reason he was widely cited in 2012, and it has to do with standardized tests. All right, so in 2012, students encountered a short story by Pinkwater on their standardized tests. It was quite short um, until it appeared on the test, in which case they kind of bulked it up. Now, it was written by Daniel Pinkwater. It was a, what he calls a fractured fable. It was about a race between a rabbit and an eggplant. It was a story that made no sense. It makes no sense at all. The author himself said it was absurd. And then these kids were tested on the moral of the story. At which point they contacted him and said, was it what, what, what? And he went, he hadn't heard that it was appearing on standardized tests. He had a good line about this. He said, uh, it's hilarious on the face of it that anybody creating a test would use a passage of mine because I'm an advocate of nonsense. I believe that things mean things but they don't have assigned meanings. So generally speaking, he was used in a very strange way very recently, and hopefully he'll never be used in that way again. We're back, we're back, we're back. Hello. So, uh, yeah, so what's this book about here? Uh, well, it's about a man. His name is Mr. Plumbean. It's a good name. You know, all you have to do is think of a fruit and a legume and put it together. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. Mr. Pear Chickpeas. I like it. Mr. Grape Lima. <laughs> Mr. Apple Kidney. You know, just the other day I was telling my kids about grape nuts, which are neither grapes nor nuts. And that seems like bad advertising because... I feel like that's something Linda not... Richman would say. Yeah. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> I'm said. getting the clumps. Very nice. Grape very nice. nuts are neither grapes nor nuts. Disgust. I think we're getting plumbing. off track here. I'm sorry, just plumbing made me think of it. Yes. <laughs> right. Moving on. So Mr. Plumbean mm. um, lives in a neighborhood that apparently has a homeowner's association. Clearly. A 1977 homeowner's association. They, they, they existed in 1977. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And let me tell you, they are not fun. Oh, I was no. I was part of one. I, it sucks. Yeah. It's pretty much like four people deciding how the entire neighborhood's going to be done. Yeah. And uh, they have the vote and you don't. So he's part of this homeowners association where everyone has the houses exactly the same mm. on the street. Kind of like a Levittown situation. Um, I have a big problem with their noses. <laughs> <laughs> what? What's your problem with their noses, Kate? Um... They're, uh, how do I put this? Are they posterior skate? Maybe. Yes. They, they, I would not have in a million, billion, trillion years have thought that, except that you said you had a problem with them, and now I'm looking at them upside down. And now it's all you'll ever be able and to see. And it's now I'll ever be able to see. Thanks, yeah. Kate. You're does, welcome. Does Mr. Plumbean have such a nose as well? Um, you know what? He does not. Ah, well nor, now that's significant. Nor does the woman that eventually comes onto his house, but we'll get to that. The nose so, nose. Mm. Yes. So, one day, a two-pound seagull was carrying a ten-pound can of paint. How that works? I don't know, Betsy. It's science. It's science. And it's science, man. it decided to carry it from the water that's apparently nearby. Sure. Flew all the way to this neighborhood yeah dropped this 10 pound can of paint seagull do that man on top of mr plum bean's house yeah mm -hmm. technically it was on it it fell on his roof yes um and then it produced a large um i would say splat but he says splot yeah well you know he's fancy like that and on on his roof that his black roof now has a big orange splat <laughs> splat right splotty splat 
Right. Splatty splat. And then everyone's like, oh, that's too bad. I guess he's going to have to repaint his house again. I'm like, it's not his house. It's his roof. Can you repaint a roof? I wondered that myself. Well, it's just the tiles that so you So you just remove the tiles I mean, and retile the roof where the splot Or was. you could just take a power washer yeah. that's soon enough. Well, and did they power have power wash- washers in 1977? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. I wasn't alive then, Betsy. Yeah, I, I wasn't technically either. <laughs> I was forming, though. Oh, that's creepy. Forming. <laughs> so everyone's like, hey, Mr. Plumbean, you need to paint your house. And he's like, all right. So the next night he got some blue paint white paint, painted uh, not only his roof, Mm. but then he got more paint. He got red paint, yellow paint, green paint, purple paint, and painted his entire house. So here's my question to you. Was Mr. Plumbean just waiting for this opportunity to arrive? Did he, in fact, pay the seagull to drop the orange paint? I don't think so. I think while he was priming, you know, Mm, and then putting on the first layer, he was like, wait a minute. I, I don't want this anymore. I want to be me. <laughs> like, I pray that's what he thought in those exact I want to terms. Be me. <laughs> so he decides to. What is me? Well, me apparently is elephants like near the basement. Like that, like that. And then a lady above the. I'm gonna say the living room window. How do they describe that lady? Pretty girls. <laughs> Pretty girls. But it's just one. Right. And it's just her face. It's just her which face. Which is totally decent. And yes. her blonde locks. Yes. And then a lion in between the upper floors. Mm-hmm. And uh, you got the big orange sploot there. Mm-hmm. And then... Sploot. <laughs> yes. Sploot. Splot. Splat. I like it better as sploot. <laughs> I'm just going to change it up every time. Why not? And then little yellow or yellow uh, orange dots on uh-huh. the roof. The people freak out and they go, <gasps> plumbing has... Popped his cork, flipped his wig, blown his stack, and dropped his stopper. I want to memorize that every yeah. time I'm like, that person's cray cray. I'd yeah, rather yeah. say this phrase. Oh, I would much prefer that too. Yeah. yeah kind of yeah. like, you know, the clueless phrase when uh, when he's trying to explain someone's gay. Mm-hmm. He's an Oscar Wilde Rain Strides Antiquer Holy Friend of Dorothy, you know what I'm saying? Like, you gotta yeah, memorize yeah. that quote, memorize this Dropped quote. Dropped a stopper is the only part I would take from that because I really enjoy it because you think it's going to say something else. The next night, he decides to buy carpenter's tools. Aw, I yeah. love carpenter's tools. Carpenter's tools. <laughs> I love those things. And he builds a clock on a tower on his roof. Now, here's my question to you. Is that a working clock tower? Better be. Who's going to put a non-working clock tower on their roof? Maybe so it's... when you're looking at the picture where now that he's built the clock tower, mm-hmm. the townsfolk go, Plumbean has gushed his mush, lost his marbles, and slipped his hawser. They've got very creative neighbors. I would like to give them some credit for that. At which point, well, I did ask, what does slip his hawser meat so a hawser yeah what's a hawser um it is a cable or a rope used in mooring or towing a ship oh, so by slipping so his, it his ship has drifted out to sea yes he's lost his mind what yes. creative people these are they should be writing poetry <laughs> instead of paying too much attention about what their neighbors are painting their houses but if you flip the page you'll see that the time does change it does change so it's a working clock tower it is a working clock tower. i approve so the it's next night he buys a bunch of green things palm trees and thorn bushes and onions apparently um he also buys a hammock and an alligator what I appreciate is that the alligator is on a leash. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Uh, if you're going to have an alligator, don't just let it go. Like, because then your neighbors really do have a reason for complaint. So then everyone is furious because now his front lawn is a jungle. <laughs> yep. And they're like, 
yelling at his neighbor to be like, dude, you need to go talk to him and set him straight. So mm-hmm. the neighbor comes over and they have a nice chat in the front yard with some lemonade and they talk all night. And the next morning, this neighbor decides to make his house into a ship. <laughs> I don't think I'd want my house to be a ship. Well, that's because you're not a ship person. You should think it'd be so dark on the first level because there's no windows. That's the basement. You'd only get light on the upper floor mm-hmm. and, like, the roof. Well, look, if you consider, like, the first floor to be the basement and then we don't see any stairs, but I assume they're in the back and they just go up to the second floor, which is their de facto, the first floor. Then the top floor becomes the second floor. And it works perfectly well. He doesn't have... Look, I'm justifying the ship house. <laughs> he doesn't have sails. He just has the string. At the top. Well, he, it's the first night. Look, the man spent all night. He put freaking portholes I'm just saying, in his house. If you're going to do it, go 110%. Look, I'm just saying, it, it's very impressive that he did that in one night. Sales will come, child. Sales will come. We'll see. So <sighs> no everyone... Faith. That's your friend. And so everyone's like, oh, he's just like Mr. Plumby. And he's got bees in his bonnet, bats in his belfry, and knots in his noodle. <laughs> so I hope they really did say that. <laughs> part. <laughs> so hand me my smelling salts. So then, one by one, neighbors come over to Mr. Plumbean's house, and every night they talk to him. They, I think it's, there's something in the lemonade. I was going to say that exact same thing. I'm sorry, that was very loud the way I said that. But I was thinking the same thing. What is he putting in the lemonade? Well, I'll tell you. We have a street named after it. I'll just say this. Lakeshore Drive. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. (laughs) Do with it what you will. But every person's house, like we have a hot air balloon house now. Mm -hmm. We have like a Taj Mahal house Mm -hmm. now. We have a castle. And then we come to this person's now new house. I'm sorry. What is going on here? That's a Greek temple. It's a Greek temple? That's a Greek temple. Okay, who's the guy at the top? Uh, I think it's Gal. No, wait, that's a dude. I assume that's some god. I thought you said Galileo, not Gal. That's Galileo, because you see the moon right behind him. Um, No, I assume that's a Greek god of some sort. If that's a moon, who's the god of the moon, Kate? It's a lady. It's a trick question. Who's the the goddess of the moon's son? I don't know. It is somebody. If you know the answer, dear listener, (laughs) please email us at feastgatedate at gmail.com. So... Nix. Apparently, like so then, like, when strangers come by the street and they're like, oh, this is not a neat house, everyone corrals together and they say, our street is us and we are it. Our street is where we like to be and it looks like all of our dreams. Well, apparently, none of your dreams have interesting front lawns. Because. <laughs> <laughs> Because only oh, yeah, Mr. he's still winning the front lawn thing there. He's yeah. got palm trees, he's got the alligator that's now off leash. Oh, my. Oh dear. And no oh one else has touched their front lawn, really. Well, how they don't dare. They don't want the alligator hiding out on their lawn. I mean, lawn. I would at least put, like, some bushes or something. No, like, they're totally boring pool, lawns. A moat. Well, I guess maybe... Let's think of it this way. They met him halfway. They, they, they went with him on the house thing. They just cannot follow him on the lawn part. Right, and that's it. And that's it. All right, so a little background information on the book then, people. Uh, let's see. Tales for Little Rebels, a collection of radical children's literature, called this a story that, quote, celebrates nonconformists and dreamers 
uh, says that these tales feature protagonists who, in disregarding the aesthetic norms of the neighborhood, inspire rebelliousness in their neighbors, who in turn repaint their houses in wild colors. Let me ask you a question, though. Yes? That orange splot. Um, you know what that looks like to me? You don't remember the old Nickelodeon I logo? Nickelodeon. Uh, that's what I'm talking about, right? Did yeah. Nickelodeon rip off this book? Because Nickelodeon is a big orange splot. That is, for a long time, that was sort of their logo. I don't know if it is now, because I don't watch my Nickelodeon as much as I might. But uh, my thinking is copyright infringement. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I don't know about that. The drawings were made with marker. I believe it. Yep. <laughs> And yep. if one looks closely, one can see the marker lines. Yep. All right, now this next part is from Wikipedia, but nobody could find a citation to back up this information. So I believe what I'm about to say is completely false, but it's interesting, so I'm going to say it, but with the preface, that's probably false. So in an interview in 1978, Daniel Pinkwater revealed the hallucinogenic undertones which were referenced throughout the story. And due to this interview, the book was pulled from most libraries in Missouri in the early 1980s. That's the claim. Missouri. I don't know. Yeah, Missouri. It had to be Missouri. Well, I was waiting for Florida, so. Yeah, well, Florida was probably on board with this. They were probably like, <laughs> I want to put an alligator in my front yard. We actually have a couple of those. Unless they have crocodiles. No, they have alligators, right? I don't know. Something. Oh, right. The same Wikipedia article said that the book came in at number 48 on the top 100 picture books poll on my site. But... They're referring to the 2009 poll, not the 2012 poll. So in the original poll that I did, it came in at number 48. Uh, I don't tend to notice that poll as much, so I did not know that until I read that on Wikipedia. So, hat tip to you, Wikipedia. And now, it's time once again for a post from the website, Teaching Children's Philosophy! Yay! <laughs> what? This is the crowds of people oh. cheering. We brought this up once before, I believe, with Frederick. I believe this site came up then. Well, it's, it's back again. Uh, if you go to the site, Teaching Children's Philosophy, not Teaching Children Philosophy, apparently, uh, you can find this section on the big orange spot. I would like you to read this in the voice of a philosopher. A philosopher? Philosopher. I want you to put on your best philosopher voice and read this right here. <clears throat> okay, so, let's see. so the issue of conformity versus individuality was explored by philosophers in the existential tradition. They believed that the pressure to conform to social norms had undermined the ability of people to develop their own unique abilities and personality. For the existentialists, becoming an individual was the most important thing for a person to do. The big orange spot... <laughs> Pause right there and think about that a moment. Spot, yes. Continue. Spot. Continue. Um, allows children to explore this issue in a fun and entertaining manner. Thank you, Poindexter. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, yes, that's... I'll provide Apologies full, uh, to any philosophers out there that I have just thoroughly... Our, our, our philosopher listenership has plummeted. Uh, <laughs> all one of him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'll provide a link to the full site. Uh, there are a lots of discussion questions are found there. And finally, I'd just like to say the book is not out of print. It is in print to this very day, attesting to its popularity with particularly teachers. It was very interesting. Ratings time! You go first. I'll go first. 
Um, yeah, I enjoy this book. Uh, I find it funny. Uh, I find it amusing. I, of course, who doesn't love a book that's mean to homeowners associations? Is it random? Sure is, but kids can kind of understand it. Um, do I think it's like a classic? I do not. Um, I'm sorry, Daniel Pinkwater. Uh, he did a lot of books. This one's fine. I got nothing against the big orange splat. Do I think it's necessary for all children to read and that being a good American in the United States in the year 2019, everyone needs to read the big orange spot? Not necessarily. Uh, I can enjoy a book without thinking it's particularly classic. So I enjoy it very much. I'll give it a 4.5 and Whoa. a salute. Give it a salute there. Well, it's not a classic, so it has to be below a 5, right? So that's the closest. Fine. 4.75. 4.75. <laughs> a salute to you, big orange slot. But I do not think you are a classic. I thoroughly disagree. Whoa, 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 whoa. I... <laughs> Head exploding. <laughs> what? I think this is a cute story. I like how it's about being true to yourself and not conforming. I like how it supports the arts by encouraging painting and drawing and thinking outside of the box, like not thinking your house has to be four walls. It could be a ship. It could be a hot air balloon. Who cares? I can't say I like the illustrations. Yeah, it's so not your style. I would like it to be redone. Oh, Lord. I guess it could be. Caleb Brown has done a couple Pinkwater books in the last few years, so he could re-illustrate it. I think that's fine. I don't uh -huh. know who that is, but I support it. Cool. And maybe we could redo some of the phrases as well. What? Um, no, none of them date. Not one. Betsy, you, you didn't know what Ozer. you didn't know what that was. Yeah, well, it's probably the same thing now that it was then. Betsy, what is it again? Hauser. Yeah, what is it? It's the thing you unslip so your boat goes off. <laughs> That's what it was. That's what it was. Right. And I'm Check also not sold on the title. Is it splat? Is it sploot? Is it splot? I don't know. So if we could just change that. Of course, the philosophers in spot, so. Right. Yeah. So I gave it a 7 out of 10. Okay. Well, then it's a classic. Yeah, it's a classic. All right. Yay. I'm fine with that. I mean, I don't think it's like necessarily a classic, but I'm fine with it being a classic because, you know what? Man has a cool mustache. Letters time. Yay. Yeah, okay. So remember last weekend, it was like two dinky comments and hardly counted for anything? Yeah. Yeah, we got like four big ones this week. The first one's from Patrick. He was talking about In a Dark, Dark Room. And he's talking about the uh, original one. He says, The Zimmer version both terrified and obsessed my daughter when she was five. Yeah, the head dropping to the floor was a real shocker. Doubt that'd get in a picture book today. I mean, it was re-illustrated in 2017, so I think it was, but that's okay. But the stone-cold bone chiller for Wee Odette was that set of large and very yellow choppers. Not to mention those red eyes glowing under the yeah. fedora's brim. Yeah. A real book slammer page. Do not read this book at bedtime. <laughs> Aww. The dead head remains most in my bones, though. A real cake taker. That one, that was one industrial strength ribbon, right? Yeah. <laughs> I love that he brought that up. It was pretty much like duct tape. Let's be clear. It probably was like duct tape. Number two uh, refers to the kissing hand. This one comes from Heather. I love when the two of you dissacrin kids books. I love children's literature and have a huge picture book collection, a large part of which I get secondhand when I come across titles I recognize or think look interesting. The Kissing Hand made it into my collection and then back out again. Uh -huh. Though it did not leave the yucky t impression that I Love You Forever did after it left my collection, oh, okay. I do not understand the fervent devotion to either of these titles that I have heard from people I otherwise respect. But I do agree with Betsy that Ruth E. Harper's Owl illustration is gorgeous 
And then uh, she makes a reference to something that was in a previous comment. So, you know, sometimes creators will comment on our... If they're alive. If they're alive. They keep being alive, Kate. And this is the problem. We Aww. have to just, like, make it only dead people rule. <laughs> All right. So, Ruth E. Harper, the illustrator, wrote in. Oh. Because I had asked a question. Remember there's, like, two illustrators on the cover? Yeah. But only one appears on the publication page of the publisher. Okay. And I was like, what's the deal with that? Why does only Ruth E. Harper get mentioned there? Well, this sort of answers the question... And sort of doesn't. Hello, and thanks for the show and the kudos. I'm here to answer your first question. I have a brief answer on my website, and it goes like this. The author and I met, and she asked me to illustrate a 24-page book. I did. But no publisher was biting. A year and a half later, the author still didn't have a contract, but asked me for eight more paintings. I declined until we got a contract, so I could add it to it if they wanted more pages. Makes sense. Instead, she found a publisher and paid Nancy Leak to fill in between mine to make it 32 pages. I found this out after the book was already sold slash under contract. Needless to say, I got no royalties. So you see, it's a bit of a twisted story, but you know, life isn't always warm and fuzzy, but we survive. And it's all about the comfort children and parents receive from the book after all, isn't it? I'm crazy blessed by it. She got no royalties? Wow. That's insane. What, what, I wanted to see that contract then. Yeah, like, seriously. What, what, to this you... day, it's still in print. It's huge. It's a huge hit. I'm hoping she got royalties since then. It's a huge hit to everyone except for us. I know, seriously. <laughs> well, I didn't say it was a success. I just said it was a hit. Yeah. That's different. All right, finally, uh, Josh Funk. Uh, he did two things. Uh, first, he asked this question. Kate, how does one accidentally buy tickets for the wrong movie? With the follow-up question to me, Fusate, how did you let Kate say that we meant to buy tickets to Jojo Rabbit and accidentally bought tickets to Black and Blue without asking any follow-up questions on the Fuse Kate podcast? Yeah, Kate, how did you buy the wrong tickets? Uh, Fandango app. And uh, so our, our, I don't know what you're calling him. I call him our sweet Apino. Sure. Because he's half Swedish, half Filipino. Absolutely. But uh, he thinks that when he went to click on it, an ad popped up for Black and Blue mm. and didn't notice it. Okay. So. And then uh, to follow up that, Josh sent you a present. Oh, I love presents. This one's a big one. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he sent it care of me. Oh. And I opened it because I'm a nosy Girl. Hey. And it's for, but I didn't open the actual book. Whoa, Lady Pancake Sir French Toast. Okay, just looking at this for like two seconds, there's mm -hmm. two things I already like. Number one, the legumes, all those smiley faces. And number two, the back quote is from BJ Novak. Yeah, he was childhood friends with BJ Novak. <laughs> and then there's a dedication to you, I believe. What? Really? Of course. <gasps> to my pal Kate from one waffle loving slither into another. Oh, yeah. Yes! That's why you got the book. Oh, I like you, Josh. <laughs> You're my favorite. You should like him. He's been listening to the podcast for years. That's well, now he's my favorite. There you go. <laughs> Take you that, other artists and authors and such. Oh, well, thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I wish this could be my grown-up thing, but I have a different grown-up well, thing. What is your grown-up thing? We're there anyway. Well, we were just talking about how I accidentally bought tickets for the wrong movie, right? That's correct, yes. So this weekend, we were like, okay, we're going to go see Jojo Rabbit. Uh -huh. He selected the right movie. He selected the right theater. He selected the right time. We get to the movie theater. We get our popcorn and our drinks. We sit down. We watch 20 minutes of previews. And then there's a man painting a clown face. 
Oh, it's your favorite thing in the world. And, and it's a clown man. And I'm like, I don't think Hitler was a clown. Well, it depends on your definition, I suppose. And then everyone in the theater starts laughing. And we watched the five minute, first five minutes of Joker until oh. the movie theater was like, oh, wait, sorry, wrong movie. Let's change it out. So apparently we were not destined to watch Jojo Rabbit. No. We did eventually watch it, though. Oh, and how was it? Oh, my gosh. So good. Very good. Find a movie theater near you. Go see it. It is the best, however much it costs your movie theater, to go see it. It is humor and heart. It is funny. It is surprising it's sad it's oh it's so it's everything you don't think it is and the director is also the screenwriter who also plays hitler yeah. so go see jojo rabbit two thumbs up i highly to. recommend i intend to see it but instead my grown thing i like is i went instead to a uh scott bradley's postmodern jukebox concert oh it was very fun uh it came locally we went to see it they brought in some of the people who sing the songs in the videos they brought in a woman from Sweden who proceeded to balance a trumpet on her lips while playing the bass. I didn't know you could do that. I didn't Apparently know you could do that you could, either. You could, she played three trumpets all at the same time. Wow. She would dance. Successfully? She comes <laughs> on the stage and she goes, we are now going to do Madonna. And she takes out a slide trombone and then proceeds to do Material Girl with a slide trombone that she sings and dances with. Like you do. Like you do. It was a delight. That was just sort of the tone for the evening. Highly recommend it if it comes to your hometown. Scott Bradley's Postmodern Jukebox. Cool. Wonderful. Okay, so next week we're going to get a Thanksgiving book. Yeah, fine. I'll find one. I have lots of suggestions now. So something like food or turkeys or pilgrims or Native Americans. I am not touching pilgrims or, or Native Americans with oh. a 10-foot pole. I'm sure there's really... Oh, I'm sure there's some terrible ones, but they're not classics. <laughs> I got to do one that is known... But it's also Thanksgiving. You do not know how hard this is. You can do it, Betsy. I have, uh, I have you can, help. If you can make your house into a ship, you can do anything. Let me tell you, our listeners have been sending me suggestions. I have a couple good, good ones. I think it'll be very interesting. Keep them coming, folks. I shall. All right, well, not me. They, yeah. they should keep it going. Yeah, they should yeah. keep it yeah. going. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, now I'm all confused. Okay. All right. I think I should, I should quit. Yeah, you should not let go. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've been Betsy. Okay. 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 Fusing Kate is a Fuse Number no. 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse number 8 Kate. Follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Time and our Where's Waldo is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Ramsey and Betsy Burke.